0: Hi, I'm Jim, and I'm David, and this is the Practical, Practical Guitars podcast. podcast, the podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hello, Jim. Hello, David. I was going to let you start us off, but I was like, I didn't cue you properly, so I was just... I'm just exhausted. (laughs) Like it's just not going to happen right.
1: (laughs) I am totally torn up. Uh,
0: Jim and I both have had major road trips in the last couple of days. And I, as we mentioned on the show last week, I just got back from Vegas this afternoon. I was supposed to be in yesterday. Um, We drove all the way out there uh, with two 12-hour days. Um, Well, one was 13, I think. Uh, Stayed over in Colorado. And then drove through the Rockies the next morning, and uh, through Utah down into into uh, Arizona into Las Vegas. If you've ever done that drive, it's it's a picturesque drive, but if you try to do it in a marathon session, you need a second person because it's dangerous. Um, but the other part of it is that uh, it's mentally exhausting, especially the second day when you're driving through the mountains and. Uh, Even the stretch of Arizona, which is only like 10 miles through Arizona, but it's the most ridiculous 10 mile drive you've ever been on in your life. Uh, It's all cliffs on either side of the road and it's just overhangs and and I've done it before, but um, we didn't plan on making this trip. So I didn't really have time to mentally prepare myself for doing that. And I ended up driving a lot of the precarious stuff. My wife and I switched off um, frequently. Every time we gas up, we switch. Um, so it was every three. That's hours, always a good idea. Every three or four hours on the way out there, but that's where the fun begins. So we get there, and we're there for about an hour. Uh, we stop at In and Out Burger to get a sandwich before we go back to her parents' house, who are out of town. We're staying in their place while they're gone. Um, we go to In and Out Burger, which is like a 35 minute wait, right? Um, because it's all car traffic right now. Of course. And uh, pull into the parking lot, and all of a sudden. I'm, I'm talking to my brother on uh, my phone and the the um gas light or not the gas, gas light the engine light comes on. <laughs> so, I see it and I immediately use the F-word and I'm like, "What now?" So, we uh end up I I I kind of sit and think about it for a while and I'm like, "I'm just going to have take it to the dealer in the morning. Like, I'm going to have to find a local Ford dealer and take it over there and hope for the best." which is what I did. I called around. And I was like, well, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get it in. Cause usually you have to have an appointment for that. Um, so I took it over. Uh, I think it's country Ford or something like that. Anyway, Ford country. Anyway, they, they took the, the, um, the car and they had it overnight. We we're supposed to leave the following day. So we're waiting kind of for the car to come back to before we can leave. And in the middle of it, they basically call me and they tell me that we don't have the part uh, I asked if it was safe to drive. They said, yeah, just keep it, keep it close to full. And so at first I'm like, well, we can probably do that. Like we can stop every quarter of a tank and just fill it up. Then, cause I thinking about it. I'm like, that's like 20 stops or 22 stops. Well, the guy, so we go and we pick the car up and I'm like, I'm just going to take it to a local Midas. I can have him put a non OEM part on it. Um, to fix it. I'm going to get the eval from the dealer. They shouldn't even have to run the diagnostic. And uh, I go to the dealer. And actually, when we picked up my my oldest daughter, because that's what we're there to do. We're picking up my oldest daughter. We talked to her dad for a minute. And he says, well, I know a mechanic. He, he's the, right. the main guy over at Kia. And uh, he, he fixes all the family cars. He says, call him. He'll take care of you. So she texts him. And she starts getting in contact with him. Next thing we know, we get a phone call going, and he's, Nah, you're fine to drive. He's like, Come over here and get some fuel cleaner from me. So we went, worked too. We went over to the dealership. We threw fuel cleaner <laughs> in the, No, there's more to the oh. story. So we throw fuel cleaner in it, and uh, he tells us basically drive back on premium, um, you know, and just try to keep it above a half tank. So yep. that cut a number of stops in half. Still, we still had about double the stops we did coming out. Um, it took us three days to get back, uh, but because we left at one o'clock instead of nine o'clock, and the first night we only first day we only drove eight hours, um, and then the last day we only drove five hours to balance it out. So um, we ended up, you know, getting all the way to Nebraska, about halfway through Nebraska, which is a little over halfway in the trip. Um, I would say Colorado. The the edge of Colorado is probably the halfway point. Anyway, we're we're a quarter, three quarter of the way through Nebraska, and drivers in Nebraska cannot drive. If we have listener show listeners <laughs> in Nebraska, I'm sure you can relate. Um. <laughs> Anyway, so we're driving back through Nebraska and I'm losing my mind. There's a guy that cuts me off and then there's a guy that goes to merge in and he can't figure out whether he wants to get in front or behind me and he can't figure it out. And so he ends up slamming on his brakes and getting all mad because he can't he couldn't get in front of me and he couldn't get behind me because he was not paying attention to what I was doing as a driver. Um, And about a mile up the road. Uh, I go to pass a truck and then he cuts in front of me and then it's it's this whole thing and I get ticked off and I, I hit the gas and all of a sudden misfire. (laughs) So I'm like, I, I ended up pulling over on the side of the road and I just sat there for a minute. I didn't say anything. My wife's looking at me. My, my, uh, uh, stepdaughter's looking at me. Didn't say a word to me cause they knew. And I'm just like, I'm, I just stopped for a minute. I shut the car off. I, put the, I figured out there's a diagnostic mode on the car so you can actually start up and you could see some of the codes. Um, so I put turned the car into diagnostic mode. I flipped through the, the menu, no codes, um, and I realized not even the check engine lights on. So I'm like, well, must've been a misfire. So uh, I just got back on the road and we limped home. Uh, we did not drive quick. <laughs> We ended up sitting behind truck drivers for most of the trip, uh, barely passing anyone, uh, driving around in the country at night, which if you're not familiar with, that's a a deer hazard Um, in in areas where we saw multiple deer during the day, no less. Um, So it was uh, it was a harrowing experience. We stayed in a little podunk town in uh, Iowa that I don't even know the name of. Uh I say podunk because it was small. I I I come from small towns like that. So don't take that the wrong way. But anyway, we stayed in the, we stayed in this hotel and it was it actually reasonably nice. We stayed in another hotel, it was like a pit. And we paid a <laughs> lot of money for that pit, which which really ticked me off. Um they're on blast on uh uh what's that? Yelp. Yelp. Yeah. Cause I'm like, no, you put us in like the sla- the slave quarters from the Titanic. Like that's what <laughs> that was. Uh, It was, it was really bad. I was like, I can't even believe you have rooms like this. Um, I'm surprised we had a window. I really am. Um, And uh, that was, it was abysmal. They had Bellman's carts. No, you couldn't use Bellman's carts on the first floor because there are stairs. So it was like, we had to carry all of our crap um, all, all the way down this long hallway. There was no parking. We showed up and the entire hotel parking lot was completely full. They had a graduation. Oh no. And the parking lot was completely full. It was horrible. What what state was this? Uh, this was in Colorado. Um, so in terms of the COVID thing, like I'm just, we're taking it easy. We're going to quarantine for a couple of days, days, uh, shelter in place. Uh, I'm fairly confident that none of us have been um, in contact with anybody who's been sick. But again, you don't want to roll the dice with that. So I'm going to uh, try to limit my exposure to any other individuals. Um, but it was, the the thing that struck me and that why I wanted to talk about it on the show and give this big in-depth thing about it was like, if you've ever been on tour, I have not been on tour. I am, I, I would love, I, I, can't, I keep telling myself, I would love to go on tour. I feel for you now. When you have to go from Chicago to Texas to play, like let's say you're playing a show here and then you go to Austin and you're playing like either the next night I I just I can't even imagine it. I can't I can't imagine it. Um I am so exhausted right now that I'm not sure I'm going to make it through the show without falling asleep. Um most <laughs> most of us were young when we were doing that, but yeah, uh, a yeah, lot younger I should say.
1: Well, well, I did I did some touring when I was your age, so it's tough.
0: Well, yeah, I mean I think I think another thing happens, so if you're if you're so like if you're, if somebody else is driving the the van, that's one thing. But like nowadays there's so many independent artists that tour in their own van and they're the ones driving it. Um, it's <laughs> like, how do you guys have the energy to do this? I, I, I mean, I love music and I would still do it, but I'm still like, I'm in the frame of mind. Like how, like physically how, because I am just, I'm like beyond exhausted at this point. Granted, yeah, in those kind of situations, you're probably splitting the drive up between three or yep. three or five people, so that's yeah, a little bit different um yeah,
1: we had five of us, and uh four of us drove um and it it was a it was an interesting thing. We'd go for you know three to four days at a time at a clip um and you'd go a long ways um then expect to get back and work your regular day job, mm-hmm. you know. Tuesday morning, or whatever. If you had like a Memorial Day weekend, or you had something else, or you had to plan time off around it, a lot of times I would take time off, i would take paid
0: time off to then go work. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Well, I mean that's because we had to drive. But you know what? We're we're fortunate in that we make money at our hobby, and so taking time off to go do this doesn't seem crazy. It's it's like, well, I'm going to get a little bit of money. But really, this is just because something I love to do. Every, other people go skiing. They take time off and yeah. they go skiing. Or they take time off and they go hunting. Right. We go so play guitar. That's the only difference. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, you take, I, I know a lot of guys that take time off and go golfing. Yeah. So it's not really a big stretch to say, I'm going to take some
0: time yeah, off. Yeah. I mean, there's something golf. you can improve, improve at anyway. If anybody's ever tried to golf, like you can't get better at that. Trust me. I've tried. Um <laughs> So Jim, where, t- tell us about your road trip.
1: So I went to North Charleston. So I'm in a lockdown. Um, and while I was there, it was just crazy. So um, I ne- I didn't come in contact physically, or you know, within probably closest maybe twelve feet of somebody, ten feet. I did have to um, other than one person, I guess two, because my contact trace had two. I had to give the government a contact trace, and it was two people. Um, the one person was my manager, um and the other one was a government service um, employee who was working with me to set up my remote laptop. Um and he had to reach uh to grab some stuff and do some typing for me. So um because I don't have, you know, full access, which makes sense, you know. Yeah, government's right, right. not gonna give you full access to your computer. Um but I had complete separation from the people who gave me my badge, from the people who gave me my, you know, my uh changed my access certificates on my uh ID card and everything else. So I only came in and came within we my boss and I were um we rode the same car to and from the location. Um, but she gets checked regularly and I, you know, I live up here and plus um you know, we got checked everywhere we went. It was, you know, temperature, take temperature here. Or they did all kinds of stuff, making sure nobody had anything. Um, and I just didn't go anywhere or do anything. You know, everybody, everybody up here was like, oh, you got to check out this restaurant. This restaurant. I'm, like, oh, I'm not going to any restaurants. you nuts. Yeah. I'm staying, yeah. I'm staying in a hotel room for yeah. two reasons. One, I'm getting a per diem. <laughs>
0: right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and
1: the less I spend to that, the more I get. And uh, to keep, and two, uh, probably more importantly, um, I don't want uh, to be exposed, so I stuck it out.
0: Yeah, time. it's uh, and 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 so if you go in your local area, I think people are a little bit more comfortable with what's going on. They're sort of know like the protocol. Um, right. It's definitely different in different places. Having seen an, yeah. an incredible cross section of the United States over the last five days, six days, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I
1: have seen. People- I stopped south of the border. I got gas, but I wore a mask and I wore right. gloves, and I I washed my hands before and after. Um, you know that was our our pit stop um, south of the border. For those who don't who've never driven I ninety five going up and down the East Coast, that's it's right on the North Carolina South Carolina border. It's just into South Carolina, um, and I stopped in Emporia, which is Virginia, which has a low uh, rate. And uh, again, did the gloves and the cat, the mask and did all that stuff. So, we, we, uh, my son and I were very care- cautious. Uh, you know, didn't didn't get near anybody. I, even if you were said, "Hey, this stuff can travel," you know, twelve feet or ten feet. We weren't going to get anything. And everybody else was wearing a mask. Everybody was respecting um, each other, and I think that was a
0: that was a good. Thing. Where we were, so. And it was varying degrees. Um, you, you could tell the places where people were concerned because they were wearing masks. The places where people were not concerned, it was open season. And that did not correlate with where coronavirus was like actively going on. We were looking at the charts as we were driving through and looking at each county, um, to determine if we could stay there and that kind of thing. Um yep. And it was kind of like really odd and got to the point where my wife and I were actually wearing two masks at once because yeah. there were certain places where, I mean, they were nowhere as as bad as Florida right now. Like we, I think we can all right. agree that the Florida numbers that are coming out, I think yesterday they had 15,000 cases announced yeah. in Florida. Um, Nowhere is as bad as Florida right now, but I will say that uh it's pretty clear that no one's gonna fault you for wearing a mask, even in the places where nobody is, because they sort of understand you're a traveler. Um yeah. And the first time we got out, we got out. Uh, I think it was in Iowa. There, like, was the first major gas stop we made, and and there was nobody there in wearing, you know, wearing a mask. And as we're there, we see two other people coming in wearing a mask, and we did get some people kind of looking at us <laughs> weird. But we were like, you know what? I don't care if you're in Iowa. I'm doing this to protect you because I've just come from Chicago and I'm going to go clear to Las Vegas and back, you know, um, you, if you run a gas station right now and you're not wearing a mask or you don't have one of those big giant plastic face shields, it's floor to ceiling. Uh, I feel for you because you are putting yourself at risk. Um, Yeah. Every
1: single person that comes in there. Yeah. We
0: went to the Um, world's largest truck stop today and that was my, my wife described it as a cesspool. Yeah. Yeah, right now, I don't think I'd want to go there.
1: Um, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I wore glasses, too, the whole time, so um, that yeah, was the other so thing. Yeah,
0: I had sunglasses and, like, the mask, and it, you couldn't even see me. It was like, yeah. I looked like a Unabomber.
1: Yeah, I could have been anybody walking in, you know, kind of kind of scary. And,
0: and habi- uh, the habitual use of hand sanitizer. Uh, I mean, I just getting in the car, like, my hands, like, even we're driving down the road. Give me the hand sanitizer. Yep. you know like not even I, keep, I didn't even get out of the car i keep a bottle at my desk
1: i'm in my house
0: yeah i keep a bottle at
1: <laughs> i have a i have a mask right here i have uh, uh hand sanitizer mm-hmm. i have a mask in my car i have more hand sanitizer i have more hand sanitizer but but i because i've always had allergies and because i i'm a little more prone to getting colds because of my allergies um, me me as well yep i tend to be a little more cautious about hand washing and touching my face and all the things they're telling you now it's like oh i already i always did that stuff mm, so mm-hmm. not really, other than wearing a mask in public i was already doing everything that they say to do and i always wore a mask when i was working around a house because again if i kicked up dust if i had a sneeze you probably been there i mean yeah hey, but it's got allergies well he, you,
0: he, fit? you know oh, that God, so the, the hardwood floor that's back here we put this in it's actually vinyl um, we put this in a couple months ago um, before we, we started going video and we had carpet and w- the carpet was ancient. When we started ripping the carpet out, I mean, oh. I was horribly sick. Even if I wore a mask, yeah. I was horribly sick for weeks. Yeah. Um, as soon as the carpet was gone and that was all done, my allergies yeah. cleared up almost immediately. I, it's like, I don't even have to take an allergy pill now um yeah and i have cats which is a whole other thing but anyway so um so let's get to some guitar stuff yeah because i got i got some stuff i want to talk about so i actually got to play last week right like i was i had my guitar with me on the road i didn't i didn't take anything to to amplify it or whatever um we were we were in vegas for two days uh roughly you know we were there for like a yeah well yeah because we came in overnight and we stayed and then we were there a full day and then we left at one o'clock next day so we were there two days um i actually did get to play uh and actually the most exciting thing that i've had happen was today hw who is on the show recently tone junkie uh that's his his uh profile company um released the mystery amp today or on friday it was on friday uh it is the purple plexi uh this okay so Apparently, Marshall made a small run of Purple Plexis back in the 60s. The one in question is a 68. I think they're all 68s. Uh, This particular amplifier has the pedigree that you would not believe in the sense that it is bone stock. Everything in this amplifier is the way it came off the line. You're hard pressed to find a 68 Plexi that doesn't have a transformer swap, doesn't have something, going, you know, like a cap job done to it. And this thing was almost never used. So it's like a time machine. Um, It actually was in a collector's hands for a number of years. And they had so many amplifiers and so many guitars. They never played it. It almost never got played. And so it ended up in Tone Junkie's hands. He paid somewhere in the neighborhood. And this is the number that's been quoted Fourteen thousand dollars for this amp, um, because it's super oh rare and it's an incredible condition. Um, there are pictures on uh, Tone Junkie store, but he released the video clips for it, right? Where he talked about the pedigree, and you can see HW is genuinely excited about this thing. In fact, I believe in the clip he says, um, he says, "I want to be buried inside the cabinet for this amp." <laughs> that that's the quote i want i love this amp so much i want to be buried inside the cabinet um so just you know put that in perspective it sounds gorgeous i don't have the profiles yet i'm not going to do a full review of them, but i'm going to get them um and we'll talk about them next week i'm sure uh so look forward to that jim you got guitar stuff to talk about let's do it yep so i I've been
1: watching a guitar that I'm not going to check too much about because I don't want anybody to snipe me, but um uh I, I think is that a, still a term uh you know where you steal of somebody's bid before they get a chance to, to uh, complete it? Yeah, anyway, um uh, I have a very a very nice guitar that I'm looking at that would be very nice for is me it to museum add to quality as well. It is. It looks like it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it in person, but it looks like it's in museum, museum quality. Um, trying to stick that letter in there. Um, and uh, anyway, I looked at it while I was in South Carolina, and it, it said sold. And I was like, oh, of course, it got sold. So I sent the guy, a congratulations. And I said, hey, congratulations on selling it. I wish it was me, but you know, I, I hope the guy who or woman who bought it uh, enjoys it very much. And he wrote me back and goes, oh, I am so glad you said that. He goes, that was a mistake. I was just updating it. And he put it back. He goes, it's still available. You're you're good. And uh, so he's got, so I looked at his collection. Um, this particular one, um, he doesn't have any more of, but he has five of these very nice very sleek very uh cool guitars
0: five
1: hey, and Jim, then he
0: has he I has uh, I don't mean to stop you but I have a v pick in my hand right now wow that is very cool <laughs> and he has uh people are probably
1: understanding what yes i think is. the code and, has
0: been broken at this it, point
1: it's probably very broken very broken um <laughs> But he has five Gibson Flying V's, five of them, and uh, he has like three Les Pauls and two SGs and like one Strat or one uh, Tele. Right. And it's like he's definitely a Gibson guy. And I show, I said, I'll let me show you my collection. He goes, he goes, oh yeah, you would appreciate this guitar. He goes, it'll it'll definitely find it a good home. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And then right after I'm making the deal with the guy. Um, the i had been looking for a puppy and uh, the woman that was a breeder um through my friend last week i don't want to go through too much um i had reached out to him she said they were going to have a, uh, a litter the litter was born yesterday and i got first pick so drogon <laughs> thusly named because of the, he's a giant dragon and this will be a little puppy. that's this big, and yes. he'll be attacking my own. Um, uh, was born yesterday. I think it's fairly safe. Uh, to say it's
0: not the runt of the litter. <laughs> yeah,
1: No. Yeah. He is. He oh, is really? The runt of the litter. That's what's funny. I, I picked him because he's jet black, um, and he's just the cutest little thing. Um, of course, when I picked him, he was only the pictures I got were at video were only minutes, literally minutes of age, uh, and um, looking forward to bringing him home uh first week of september which is labor day weekend so looking forward to that and uh so i'm out a lot of money this month <laughs> let's, <just
0: Yeah>. <laughs> let's just say i'm spending yeah. a few thousand dollars <laughs> well i mean i had to buy tires and like i bought yeah. I, I mean it's just and it's and it's not stopping because school starts soon and i got a yep. high schooler in the house now um I got so coming. anyway um I'm still waiting on stuff from Sweetwater, man. Uh, I, I, well, I'm actually waiting on stuff from JHS. Yeah, because uh, the um, Univide pedal, the Unicorn from uh, JHS, has actually been on back order. Um, and JHS shut down during the large portion of the uh, coronavirus thing, and then they and then they actually opened operations, but I, they're just they haven't caught up yet. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm waiting on that. I'm excited. I hope that shows up soon. We should um, reach out to Josh and see if he can come on the show. Tell us about yeah, that. Because that would be cool. My, my wife will murder me, but yes, I would love to have Josh Scott on the show. I I yeah. figure she's probably in the other room saying somewhere like, "No, you can't have him on the show." She for whatever reason she has this like adverse reaction to Josh Scott, and she says he looks creepy or something. I I don't understand it. Um, but she like she looks at him and she goes, and then backs off. And it's not because he's like a guitar pedal maker or anything. It's just because. Something about his appearance rubs her the wrong way. Um Wow. So I can't wait till she comes to Gearfest with me the next time and I introduce her to Josh Scott and she has a panic attack and probably slaps me and uh gives me the you I look paperwork. Like,
1: you and I will look like little people next to Josh Scott. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: like uh he's like eleven feet tall. Um yeah. uh arms as big as tree trunks, you know. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, we've got we've got
1: guests next week. Don't forget. Yeah, we have guests next week. Yep, we have guests on the show. So we'll have two guests on the show. Yeah, apparently. Yep. So we are literally going to talk to a mom and pop shop, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the most popular mom and pop shops on YouTube. Uh, So we've uh, reached out to the Lollies and uh, RNA Music. That's R-N-A. So Ryan and Angela are going to join us. um, As far as we know, unless things change. It'll be next weekend. Um, Ryan, I spoke with Ryan personally, so that should be interesting. Looking forward to that and getting a view of a mom and pop who's been through the COVID thing. Who's been through um, the uh, forced shutdown, doing the online uh, lessons. As I said, I, I um uh, uh sponsored a student during that time. Uh, I think it uh as the show, by the way. I take yeah. I can't believe that. You can take personal credit um, for
0: it, I don't care. Yeah, no. it's not, I It's like not like the show paid for it. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I mean well I mean the show hasn't paid for anything really. No, I mean, not really. Um, Looking
1: forward to at least buying pizza during the next uh <laughs> uh sweetwater event. Yeah, hopefully. But,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, we we um uh, I think it's important because it, it it definitely will give us some insight as to some of the the um, trials and tribulations of a small business. Even a, it, it's a guitar shop, but it's still a small business in this really trying time. Because um, as everybody knows, things are going backwards. We're we're falling backwards. There was an expectation that summertime was going to be walking forwards for most people. And instead, it's walking backwards. So Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, you know what's interesting though? So yeah, I think the perception about illness in the summer is that it dissipates based on the fact that people are outdoors, they're not as in close contact with one another. And if you look at the places where it's actually kind of getting out of control those are states where it gets so hot that you don't want to be outdoors. Yeah. um, Which, which is very telling, right? Like I did, it was just something that occurred to me. So if you're going to play gigs, if you're going to play them outdoors, I don't think it's as big an issue if you're paying attention. I, one of our show listeners actually played an outdoor gig um, uh, recently and, and I, there was some conversation about it and I, and I, as long as you're outdoors and you're, you know, doing the things, the hand sanitizer and the mask and all, we may play an outdoor gig. We, uh, old Stumpy has been asked to play, um, uh, farmer's market and, but here's the stipulations, right? So we're a vocal band, right? We have two vocalists who also play instruments and we've been asked that we can't sing. We have to wear masks during the entire performance. Um, and we're kind. Of, I I get the feeling from the other band members that we're kind of like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I'm down. I I said, let's go. Um, but they were. I don't know if I want to sing. You know, if I if I want to do this, if I can't sing, and if I have to wear the mask the whole time, that's going to be really difficult anyway. So I know that's what the rule is. Yep. The other thing is, if you're singing, you're spitting stuff through the mask. You know, um, yeah. forcibly, eventually. Um, again, there's a a effectiveness there. Um, but. I just, um, I don't know. It's a weird world right now uh, that people want us, people want music back in their lives, but like there's no real way for us to provide it to you. Um, Another place locally is uh, announcing that they're going to start doing their open mic or at least putting feelers out there to find out if people are actually going to show up. And I was actually asked and I responded and I said, well, I said, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you until I see a case count below what it is right now, because it's actually kind of gone back up here. um, I'm not, I am not playing an indoor venue. It's just not going to happen. And I I could foresee sitting out the entire summer, like honestly getting to September and then watching the case counts go back up because people are indoors again and just being like, "Yeah, I guess that's not going to happen. Um, I just hope that we get uh, some sort of vaccine on the horizon sooner rather than later. They were talking about November uh, as, you know, end of trials and greenlighting something. So hopefully um, there's a couple of trials. But see, even then, it's like if it's November, guess what? You still aren't playing out until January because right. there ain't going to be enough quantity available to vaccinate the entire population. Um So, you know, and that's the other thing is like you have a responsibility and this is this is what I want to remind people is like, okay, so if I'm a performer and I want to take the risk myself, no big deal. Right. And there were a couple of people that responded to this uh, suggestion about the open mic like, well, I'm fine. Like, I'm I have no problem. If like if I get sick, I get sick. It's not about you getting sick. It's about the fact that if you're there and there's a crowd of people there. You're going to have that crowd of people getting sick. You have a responsibility to your fans and your listeners and your potential fans that they don't pass it around amongst themselves. Um, And that's, that's, I think big time people may get that a little bit more than, you know, people who have like 10,000 people with their performances may have like, they may get that a little easier than somebody who does open mics and doesn't really perform as a band on their own. Um, And that's kind of where my concern is. Like if I can't have my family come out and watch me, or if I can't have friends come out and watch me, I don't want random people standing there watching me either because that means it's dangerous for them. Um, so it'll be funny if we, uh, if we don't get a vaccine though, cause I think they're going to, I think they're going to start having people badge. Like if you've had COVID already, you'll be able to have a hand stamp or something that. Uh,
1: yeah. Th- this reminds me of, of different times and, Definitely. I don't, um, I don't know how far down I want to go with that rabbit no, hole. No, I think we should probably,
0: because uh, I, I, a couple I was, of times come to mind. Um, yeah, well, I, I
1: was in my 20s when, when AIDS was
0: a thing, when it was yeah. first. Um, and
1: people were panicking. And a lot of the things that we made the decision that were better left to be private concerns became public. Are becoming public this time, and I don't want to. Yeah, how do I, I say
0: it? Well, no, I, I get what you're saying. Like it's a it's a it's a, it's like a HIPAA issue, right? Yeah, you shouldn't have to tell people whether you have or have not been exposed. Um, yeah, save for maybe maybe your employer under certain circumstances, because they have a legal responsibility to protect other employees, and that's something that needs but to be decided by the courts. Even,
1: right, and even then. Those decisions uh those things that you um, you share are only certain there's certain boundaries of the information that they
0: receive so sure, sure. you know and that's uh, what I'm saying like they can't they yeah. can't give names to somebody who has an illness they can't you know they can't describe right. what the illness is to somebody um, right. but see we're already violating it all over the place in our state because uh like like my complex at work. They we've had notifications every time somebody in the complex has gotten sick with coronavirus. And it's it's part of the you know, the contact tracing program. And you can't contact yeah. trace at a contact. concert. You can't. Yeah, and but you, know, you no. notify every at the everyone at the concert you had, you know, potentially exposed.
1: Well I only I only came in contact with five thousand people and two hundred yeah. of them were in the in the line to get beer. Yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm I'm uh what's the word I want? I'm a I'm the kind of person who believes that people have should have certain rights. Um and uh uh recently I saw um a, a thing where someone was talking about a woman that, you know, she was she was saying that she had a reason she couldn't wear a mask she has a she has a breathing issue, and this person said, "Well, she has breathing issues. How, how can she yell?" And I'm like, "Let me tell you something. You don't know. You have no idea, and you're not her doctor, and you're not a doctor. Um, and so, just shut up." And 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 it kind of ticks me off because what do you expect these people to have to do that have have breathing issues? Wear a big B a big red bee i have breathing issues are we going to go down that road are we going to take ourselves to a point that we can't come back and it's and it, and it to me it scares me because it's it's like okay now um you know you're you're this or you're that or you're another thing we're going to start stamping people if you I, want to talk about being a nazi you you want to talk about calling people nazis that's what they did, folks. Yeah, I mean, don't, they, they don't
0: go down this road. They gave you the armband of uh, yeah. you're, you're not, you're not desirable, basically. Um, I there were and there were people early on in AIDS that were like, yeah, let's just send them all to an island, and then without can- getting political, I think that's a discussion that is is largely one that has to be decided by the courts and also the the um, legislative bodies. Because I will say this much. Um, there's a big difference between wearing the scarlet letter, right? That's and, what I call and, it, the because you actually have been cleared by someone, or yeah. or you're just saying it, and that's the problem. Right. Is I I you know as well as I do, there are many people who will just say it, and sure. um, and I, I I know that m- dealt with many of them over the weekend, um, and it's. It, <laughs> it's frustrating because this is a health issue and it's not your health that you should be concerned about. It's everyone else's, because if you get sick and you hand it to someone else, that's the problem. And that's the problem that when people talk about these, these concepts they lack. That's why I brought it up. Like when you go to a, when you're a performer, and it's not just music it's any sort of performance and you're going to have a crowd of people gather around you have to be you yep. have to remain uh, uh, you know responsible for that crowd. look look um this is no different than like the who getting sued for people getting crushed at their concerts this is right. something that's happened right. before um or the um uh the rolling
1: stones for when the uh the the hells angels killed people uh yeah. when they were uh being security mm-hmm. uh at a Rolling Stones concert,
0: yeah, and they, and they only and found I... out afterwards. Yeah, um, so not good. Yeah, and so that's I—that's that, basically what I'm getting at, is like the responsibility element of it. And you know what? That's another crazy thing that maybe it's probably so, a good topic for the remainder of this episode. So, like, think about the amount of times that you've heard of performers wh- who um, have hired people who are horribly unscrupulous. To do things for them, like the Rolling Stones and the Hells Angels was one, right? Yeah, but I can think of um, who was it that had the manager that carried a gun? Oh, uh, Le yeah, Ze- Led Zeppelin's it. manager used to carry a bat, um, yeah, they to, made fun of people, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Um, spinal um, tap. That's Peter Grant, I believe, is Le- was Led Zeppelin's manager, yeah. and he was uh, yeah. he was notorious for carrying a bat, so he could intimidate uh hotels and everything else into doing what they needed them to do so yep. they could make Cricket this happen. Mat. Yeah, which is kind of silly. I mean, um, but the 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 firearm I want to say was like uh somebody weird like Bonnie Raite. Her manager carried a gun and a suitcase filled with cash on on their on, and, and the, the suitcase was like chained to to a um like a like basically a stripper pole on the back of the bus. Um <laughs> And so if you needed to be paid while they were on the road, they went, they took you on the thing at gunpoint pretty much and, and got money out of the suitcase, which just seems like totally asinine to me. And, but the, but the fact is like artists are held responsible for what these people do all the time. And they seem totally aloof and uninterested in what's going on in a lot of cases. Um, Yeah. A lot of time it's,
1: you know, I'm too busy to be, um, to be there. Uh, You know, They're, they're concentrating on the art and do we really want them to be business people? I mean,
0: no, and that's really where we don't, but they need to be able to hire competent ones. I mean,
1: (laughs) yeah, but if you're not a competent business person, it's kind of hard to know the questions to ask and, and you oftentimes trust those people. Look at Billy Joel. He wound up broke, broke, dead, broke twice.
0: And he's still not live. sure who took all the money.
1: <laughs> well, the first time they're a hundred percent sure it was his brother-in-law in cahoots with um the brother-in-law's wa- uh, uh sister, who was his wife. Yeah, yeah, but and then she ran off uh, and, and he put it all in,
0: in offshore accounts. He well, hit it all, it was gone. But my um, but my my suggestion was that he's ki- he's basically kicked his entire band of hitmakers to the curb um because I mean, I can't take any risk. I can't. So that's what I'm saying. Like, he, he basically made everybody the enemy. Um, that's right. Which he is did. just that, that seems like like crossing. That's borderline insanity. Um, Look at Willie
1: Nelson. He was like, yeah, things are good. I'm yeah, good. I'm good. Up. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't pay taxes for the last 40 mm-hmm. years. What was my accountant doing? Isn't that what I pay him to do? Yeah. And instead of an accountant going to jail. Yeah, his
0: accountant walks away scot-free, didn't he? I always.
1: yeah, he, I'm like, what, what?
0: what is wrong with
1: us that we don't go, wait a minute, hmm. who actually didn't pay the taxes? Who stole that money? Oh, the accountant. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're going to use this old man who lives like a pauper. Well, he doesn't look like a pauper, but he pretty much lives on a bus when he's not over, uh, you know, out doing his thing. Getting high and not really caring about anything. I mean, there's there's a lot of stories about Willie Nelson's bus, and let's just say that that he didn't give a rat's patootie about you know a lot of money. He was just doing his thing.
0: Yeah. And uh, so yeah. the funny thing is that a lot of these stories are coming from artists who were popular in the sixties and the seventies, and yeah. then like in the eighties, the 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 idea of the manager shifts completely, right? And it becomes like yeah. Charles Fenn Offinson from. Um, um, uh, Metalocalypse, and it's like a lawyer who's like a super smart business professional who yeah. runs the whole show, and he's usually yep. usually off to the side of like this insane band that's you know doing all kinds of drugs and getting into trouble, and uh like like Mot- think Motley Crue or uh, or uh, Guns and Roses, right? Um, and there's this guy in the corner who's the lawyer that has all the business sense, and he's making all the decisions to make sure that the band is being compensated. And and also that the record company is being compensated um, because oftentimes they this is where this weird shift happened where they were like, the record companies were hiring the lawyers to, to right. represent the band. Like what? You right. know, they, was like, they wanted to you... protect their artists, which was right. weird. And, who,
1: and whose best interest were they in? They were in their own best interest. Yeah, but I, I mean... think,
0: but I think the, the, the problem there was that um, they were really trying to protect their interest in the sense that they didn't want their artists jumping to another label.
1: I mean, look at look at KISS. There's another prime example. So KISS was out there thinking, Oh, yeah, we got a ton of money. We've got these things, We've got this <laughs> investment. Then they went to their investors and they said, Hey, we're gonna put on this tour. We need some money. And they were like, Oh, yeah, about that. Yeah, you're kind of broke. <laughs> we didn't really do a good job. Wait a minute, you gave your brother-in-law 25 million dollars to put up a you know a thing and you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, What? You know, and uh, some of the stories that that um, Peter or not Peter Chris uh, Paul Stanley tells, you know, um, of how they got they got shafted. Yeah, I mean, if people think that Gene Simmons is the way he is because of you know, no, Gene Simmons is the way he is because Gene Simmons got screwed, and he was like, "No, I'm supposed to be rich, and I'm poor." Yeah, <laughs> you know, these guys are, um, and, and it's hard for us to imagine. That somebody like Eddie Money was penniless. That Billy Joel was penniless. That Kiss was broke. The Pink Floyd owed more than they had. Yeah, it, it was. It is hard for us to even think that. Wait a minute, you made how many millions of dollars,
0: and it was gone. The one that the ones that get me are the guys that like are on the the C list, right? So they're not. You know, you're not—they're not the ones that you're going to see the top of a festival billing, right? Um, but somehow and for some reason, they have done very well for themselves, and it's right. mostly because, like Lone Star is a, pl- a perfect example, right? We talked about um, Michael Britt of Lone Star, right? Um, when yep. HW was on, and Michael Britt is taking care of himself, and I'm sure he's got money put away, and I'm sure um, he's made some very smart business decisions. If you see yeah. this collection of amplifiers and stuff, like the guys got money, but they haven't had a, a number one hit, you know. I don't know if they've ever had one, but they but they I would consider them to be like a B or a C lister, and they stayed under the radar and they stayed consistent. And because of that, they have been, managed to keep their head above water, make smart business decisions, make a make a reasonable living, live a reasonable lifestyle. It is when you get into the point where, like the the real rocker, right, like the the Motley Crue people, who they're not even asking how much money's in the bank. It's just I can afford right. this, uh, you well, know. And and maybe they've got money now, and maybe they weren't broke at any point, but they could have been. And the, some of these artists you're talking about well, were, you know, if it if it wasn't for, is it Nikki Six, the bass player? Mm mm-hmm. If it
1: wasn't for Dickie Six making the decision that it was a hard one for them to buy the rights to their music. Oh early, yeah, I
0: remember that. Yeah, they would have been broke.
1: They would have been broke. They would have been dead broke.
0: And he he understood the business better yep. than the rest of the band. Like as far as they were concerned, that was their manager. Cuz He was
1: Yeah, he was the guy that wrote the big hits. Mm-hmm. He understood what it took to get people to rock it. You know, that shout, shout at the devil thing. That yeah. was on purpose. He knew people were going to go shout, shout, shout. You know, he was he had the business acumen early on to go, I see the writing on the wall of what's happening to other people, other bands. And that are like us, Van Halen, uh, those guys. And he's like, no, I'm going to take control of this. I'm going to take that back. I mean, look at, look at a guy like, um, uh, who is who is from Van Halen that that uh, uh, went off can't drive? Oh, Sammy Hagar, a, a prime example of a guy who went. You know what? You're gonna steal my business. You can't steal me. I'm gonna open a little a little bar in, in, in you know a resort town, and I'm gonna turn it into something crazy.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about him on the show, and he, he he's a unique case in that he did music as a hobby. Guy was rich yeah. when he started. Um, yeah. and, you know, and and then maybe that's why the quality of his music has remained consistently high. But like um yep. he's uh definitely a, a strange case in that regard. But but I think the Van Halen parallel is interesting. Because if you look at Van Halen, right? The band, the whole band, um, versus somebody like Motley Crue, Van Halen did have business sense, but they got lucky because they definitely had some moments where they made some kind of bad business decisions in terms of like song credit and stuff like that. Um, And that's why Michael Anthony can go around and play Running With The Devil with Sammy Hagar was because they left the songwriting credits just like up in the air pretty much. And it was a free-for-all and they they didn't have any like set, like this is going to be Van Halen, you know? Um, That's right. And they could have protected themselves with that. And then later on, like down the road, um, the songwriter credits are almost, I think now if you look at the last record that they did, I think it's all Alex and Eddie are the songwriter credits, even though the other guys are involved because they wanted to protect the business interests of people performing those songs. Um, If things go south with David Lee Roth, they don't want him running out and recruiting by and doing an Eat Em a Smile 2 tour where they're playing Eddie Van Halen tunes. Um, well, you know,
1: and that's the thing. When I when I saw Edom and Smile, um, the first tour with Vi and and uh who was on bass? Um Billy Sheehan. Bill Sheehan, thank you. Um I can't remember the drummer, but he's not important. Uh-
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: no, he is. <laughs> he is. I just can't remember. I can't remember how often who
0: it was, but yeah.
1: Anyway, when uh she and um and Vi went out, they, they talk very very highly of uh the one thing about um david lee roth that they talked very highly about david lee roth knew how to run a band and he knew how to work an audience and how to control the business for the tour and the album and uh, uh that was the thing that you know he knew exactly what to expect i can i remember everything about that concert when I went, when I saw Edom and Smile, one of the things that hit me huge. I had seen Van Halen as a as a kid, so seeing David Lee Roth solo, I was like, okay, it's kind of probably going to be hokey. I I didn't really know Steve Vai. I mean, I seen the movie uh, Crossroads, uh, well, Crossroads I yeah. That happened
0: after that, I think. Yeah, and so. Um, I was but like, you, he was in Zappa's band. Like that's what everybody would have right. known him from at that point. But
1: a lot of people would have known him from that. I didn't really know him from Zappa's band. I knew the xylophonist and, and a few of the other yeah. people. She she was huge with his band, um, and of course I knew Zappa, but I didn't really know Vi from that. And so when I saw Steve Vi with and and Billy Sheehan with him, I was like, wow, this is awesome. He he blew the stage right. But here's the thing that stuck with me to this day. So he played the acoustic intro to Ice Cream Man. Yeah. And then he goes, he goes, most people don't think I can play guitar. And then he, he did kill it. He was playing Ice Cream Man. And then as the song was going, somehow he disappeared. We didn't see him. And then when he reappeared, he was like in a fighting cage in the middle yeah. of the crowd. That just it blew me away to be there to see that. I mean, it, I don't know if there's any video of that. There might no, be there are there right are. There. I've seen it before. Yeah, it was just the weirdest thing because all of a sudden he's in a he's in a, a fighting cage singing Ice Cream Man to all of us in the middle of the crowd. It was just I I
0: he knew he, love that he's a great entertainer. Um, he is, and it's so. That's I. I would say just talking about trajectory for a minute, though. Let's compare him to like, let's compare Van Halen to um some of their other eighties comp- contemporaries. So Van Halen was like late seventies, early eighties. They didn't take off until the eighties. Um, I mean, they had the first record, which was sort of popular, and then and then they had the second one. It really wasn't until nineteen eighty four that they just like exploded. Um, and that's where I'm, that's where I'm getting at. So like, if you look at other bands that were popular during that time period, you had like Motley Crue, um, bands like Cinderella, you know, Cinderella, uh, Rat, Rat was another one. Rat was like right before 1984, I think. Um, yep. and then Dokken, um, um, and, and all of these bands, like none of them are a, a list anymore, except for maybe, um, like I said, you know, maybe Poison, maybe, um, I said you know, not even even really not docking, not rat. Those are a list bands like Motley Crue poisons later. Van Halen, right. Van Halen and, and Motley Crue wasn't really huge off their first record. It didn't, they didn't blow up until their second one came out.
1: You know, Um, it's funny. The, the hardcore people, Love these bands. You're you're mentioning Dacken and mm-hmm. and all these others. There was White Snake. There was all these. Yeah, White
0: Snake. Right. That's another one.
1: You know who? You know who packs still the 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 whole place from that era? Def Leppard. Okay. Um, Journey. Ario um, Speedwagon. Um, who? Uh, who's the other one that's uh, sticks? I mean. These yeah, are but those bands, bands that are late
0: seventies, so it, no, don't get me wrong. They're not the same kind of music, and they're also late seventies no. bands because no, they, they're uh, not.
1: But they I'm just may saying they had that,
0: hits in the eighties, but they were late seventies bands.
1: Um, yeah, and uh, up until the death of Rick Pokeysek, the Cars, right? Um, and and still, yeah, you could say, and and with a high degree of accuracy, that all of those guys they were peaking. 80, 81, 82. Yeah. You got to remember Van Halen. So Van Halen for guitar players, Van Halen peaked at women and children first. That was yeah, that was huge for for uh the time. Um, uh, you know, because we had Van Halen, then we had Van Halen too. But women and Children First, that was the biggie. That was huge. That had uh a lot of great hits on it. Great music, but what my point is, we had great guitar music at this point. Yeah, it was so. It's such a small con- concentric time frame, really. It was right around the time you are born, right? You were born in eighty two, right? Born eighty four. Oh, sh- the year of nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was a very good year for a particular guitar that I, I happen to be looking at. But anyway. <laughs> um it, that was actually made before that, but anyway so um the the whole rush of music and speaking of rush, they were in there, they had signals they had uh, i mean you know moving pictures was what eighty right
0: yeah, yeah, I think so eighty yeah. eighty one so,
1: really that was the so at that point, you had two real kinds of music that were super popular there was the super synth pop stuff. We're talking Daryl Hall and John Oates. We're talking that kind of thing. Right. And then on the other side of it was um, the guitar band stuff. I mean, Bad Company was releasing stuff still. Uh, we had, uh, like I said, White Snake. We had. Uh, We're missing you know, a few, like
0: Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah.
1: Oh, gosh. Yes. Uh, Bark at the Moon. And, yeah. Uh, and of course, I mean, it was a um an incredible time for guitar as a whole you know was that mid 80s
0: yeah but i'm just, in terms of like um who out of those bands is like financially solvent today they didn't end up losing all their money and losing all their success cuz cuz all of these bands like dokken was making money right like rat at one point was making money and how many of those guys held on to it? Not many of them. Like, very few. Um well. And some yeah. people like George Lynch, like, he got lucky because he got out of docking and then he went and he did a bunch of other stuff. Um and he signed a lot of uh, endorsement deals. Right. And that's the other thing is like that's the era of endorsement, right? That was so, the, yeah,
1: that is absolutely right. Um, wasn't Body Rate one of the early I mean, other Les Paul we can. You can go back to those, Paul but um uh, wasn't she one of the, the f- first
0: endorsees? She was early. She was not one of the first. Her, I think she might have been yeah. the first female. But she, she was, was definitely the first female. But she the first the first two endorsers for Fender were Eric Clapton and Ingve Malmstein.
1: Yeah, which is nuts that's right. so when
0: you think about it. Like Clapton makes sense, right? But Ingve his guitar is so like hyper customized I mean to the point where he's even scalped them that it's almost like really <laughs> like that's where he went like you didn't try what? to get something that's a little bit more stock or anyway, right. in today's and in today's logic they would look at business decision and gone what and <laughs> what year what year was the gem um the item's gem didn't so. come out until like 89 I don't think I know it was late 80s but I got OBS up 20, if you want to look at right? if you want to look it up that here would be let me great. look it up I don't have my second screen in front of me. Yeah,
1: I'm looking for the first year of it.
0: Because it was it's, it's it's later than you'd think. Yeah, everybody thought yeah it was eighty seven. So um, was it eighty seven the first debut? I thought I don't know why I was thinking eighty nine. Yep. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And the movie Crossroads
1: was eighty six. He had a Kramer in Crossroads, by the way. That's right. So, it wasn't even, it wasn't an Ibanez. Wasn't,
0: a, wasn't it a Red Kramer Beretta? Yep. Yeah. I'm trying to, yep. i just like trying to remember. You know what's cool? And
1: and what's funny is Machio played a telly, which, is, which was because Ry Cooter played a telly.
0: <laughs> right, right. Ry Cooter played all his parts. You know it's crazy? Yeah. I was reading this thing over the weekend they were talking about. The fact that, that um, Ralph Macchio actually learned Rykooter's parts. And and even though he couldn't play him at speed or whatever, they would they would speed him up yeah. or whatever. And in that scene, he had to learn Vi's parts. Yeah, but he was playing him at like a quarter speed. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like. <laughs> I
1: mean, uh, yep. And they sped up his fingers. You could tell if you watch the movie again. Yeah,
0: but it, but even so, like, it's actually uh, like the editing job, on it's pretty good because the first time you it watch it, you're yeah. like, unless you're looking for it, you're not going to notice it. Um, so
1: you gotta you gotta give Ibanez credit because um,
0: Ibanez was smart enough to grab Vi while he was super hot. Well, they that did, was they grabbed they grabbed a bunch of dudes in that same time period. Paul Gilbert, Steve Vi, Joe Satriani all became endorsers within like three years of each other, right? Yeah, and that has been their. This is this is what people don't seem to realize about Ivanis. So, like, they have this huge artist roster right now, right? It's like twenty people on there. There was a time when they
1: only had seven. Like a dead
0: cat. Yeah, in the beginning, they had three. Those three dudes. They added John Petrucci, right? And they added a couple of other small names here and there. Um, Now they got Andy Timmons, a bunch of other people. Um, And there's some dudes that really do deserve to be like an artist roster thing. But Ivanis has largely become like. We'll make any guitar for any artist and then we'll sell it as a model. Um yeah. and to the point where they've actually kind of like sacrificed their regular models. And it's it's yeah, actually h- gonna like hurt them. You can't I mean you can't
1: swing a dead cat in the Ibanez catalog without a, a model coming up. It's but what's funny is for for I mean, I know they've got more than one skew, but the gem has been the gem.
0: Yeah. It had it didn't change know? until the Pia.
1: I mean, it was, well,
0: they had the universe, but that was like, it's other, that was like another thing, you know?
1: Yeah. But when you think about it, so Vi really, for the most part, Vi had one guitar, the Gem. Satriani had one, the JS, and Petrucci, when he was with them, had
0: one. He he had his model, but it was really, the the, the Petrucci model was really an RG. And by the way, if you've ever tried to buy an Ivan S.R.G. Petrucci model, they're A, very expensive, and B, yeah. almost impossible to hard find.
1: Across. They're yeah, almost hard impossible across. to find. And, uh, of course, um, uh, Paul Gilberts has always been that Iceman style.
0: No. I, no, it has not. He he started out with a super strap with uh, with F-holes well, on yeah. it. Well, yeah. Fake then F-holes. He moved to,
1: yeah, fake F-holes, and then he went to the Iceman type. Yeah, and fire, that was like—
0: Fireman, something like that. Yeah, that was the fireman, right. With the fake f holes, it's yeah. always had fake f holes. Uh, actually, had, I think the first firemen's did not. I think they added the fake f holes recently. Did not they? To that moment, and then I think. And then he had uh, uh,
1: in the beginning he had the floating bridge, but he went. Quickly, too. He said he went a yeah, fixed bridge. I don't know. Stack. So
0: he's like every every version of his model I've ever seen. The super strat one always had a fixed bridge on it. But I know yeah. he's got some with with Floyd Rose. In fact, when I yeah. saw him the last time, he was playing. He had a Floyd Rose uh, Fireman at one point. Um, yeah.
1: Have so, you seen that new Fireman where he's got, um, he's got two necks, but mm-hmm. one is tuned like to the same note up and down,
0: or yeah, or, so he can play his. You know, uh, yeah, because he's been yeah, he, so. He has the uh the an Ibanez Micro, uh Paul Gilbert signature model because he yep. uses a short scale guitar to do his guitar solo and it's tuned in it's tuned in octaves or fifths, so I'm not sure which. Yeah, and I ba- can't remember. And I wanna basically it's so that he could do some like crazy arpeggio nonsense um yep. in a very creative way. And so he's incorporated that into his uh his new fireman thing that he's had built so that he can yeah. he can use that for Mr. Big probably next year. That's why that's what I'm figuring that's gonna be the the big moment in mr big show but uh, yeah i think that's pretty cool yeah he he's uh that. he's a he's a guitar innovator for sure um but if you look at their artist roster now like they got like 50 people on there and i i'll be honest with you i don't know who half of them are yeah <laughs> i look at the roster and i go i i don't even know who this is um what was it 60 cycle hum in their group and i'm not going to pick on anybody i'm not going to name names but somebody said something about Dinosaur Junior. Um, and I don't remember Jay Mascus being better than somebody else, and it was. And I, 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 this is this is this is indicative of the the um the age education music thing gap, right? They were saying like Jay Mascus was better than Jimi Hendrix or something like that, and we talked about <laughs> that a la- lot la- on the last episode. And I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Uh, we're we're pushing an hour and five here, and I think we could we could do an hour and fifteen. For this episode, yeah, that's quote, kind of what yeah. I'm thinking. Uh, anyway, so they're they're picking on Jimi Hendrix again, saying Jay Masca's is better or whatever, and I and I think it was Jimmy. I don't have the thread in front of me to look, and it's not really important who it was, but the point is, um, this is very much people being like, "Hey, my generation's music is better than your generation's music," and I've listened to some Dinosaur Junior. I'm going to be honest with you, like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it much either. And for one of the main reasons is Jay Maskis' vocal style, like, he's singing out of key. He's out of tune half the time. Um, And I think that's part of the charm, but it just annoys the crap out of me. And I didn't think it was all that spectacular sounding. It was very pop punk and, like, that's fine if that's your jam. But don't don't try to compare people from different genres because your age or whatever is holding you back for being able to appreciate someone else. Um, Yeah. Could you imagine if all the guys in the seventies didn't like Django Reinhardt because he was you know previous generations music?
1: Oh Um, yeah, Django Reinhardt sucks. You know, I can't. I don't. I don't remember anybody. I mean, we you had. You had your, your trolls before the internet. I mean you had oh, people. Sure, were like, sure.
0: You'd run into them in the music stores for sure. Oh yeah. Brian Johnson
1: is better than than uh, uh, Bon Scott. Von Scott or the other way around. Or there would be people who would say, um that uh, uh of course way before that. They would say, Oh yeah, the, the wings is better than Beatles or Beatles is better than wings or you know uh you know, I love the the stuff that uh George Harrison did with Bad Finger versus what he can't, did. What can't he we re- just respect
0: with. it as music? Like I know.
1: But for the most part, people and especially the artists, and the artists had the bigger voice. The 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 issue I think that has come up is any I mean, we're proof of that. Any idiot with a with a microphone on a freaking uh, recording device can <laughs> can post what they want. Yeah, we um, do it all the time, and, every week, once a week. People yeah, people have called us down anyway. So what the heck? Um but uh in in that in light of that, and in you know looking at that thing, um there is definitely um a a correlation to the fact that that now we we as musicians as guitar players, um especially not professionals, sit in a in a bubble of of Facebook and what used to be the um the blogs and the, and the 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 billboard, billboards bullet boards bullet boards um bbs then, yeah the bbss and and so we're, which really don't go they're not that big of a of a history no you know and and the thing is that um because of that look and because we live in it we're not seeing it from outside we're seeing it from inside it still we're thinking oh man people are saying these things no people aren't saying these things these a-holes are saying these things um uh, i talked to robert jackson today and sure. uh uh because robert and i stay in touch obviously and uh he said you know what we should do we should know we should do a know your troll uh practical guitarist slash
0: uh we don't have enough trolls for that guitarist. We, we need, need a a few, troll. more trolls, we need a few more trolls. trolls. Join so the Facebook have... group and troll us. Come on. Let's and, let's, yeah, get troll done. The hell. let's get this. So,
1: let's get this done. That's right. So we can we can then you know respond to the troll I feel
0: comments. like I'm like signing my own death warrant here to suggest that people should troll us <laughs> and then like <laughs> and subscribe if they're watching this on YouTube. Um, that's right. I mean
1: the the fact is that that uh you know a, a down comment's the same as an up comment, so we don't care. Um but it, 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 the thing that I'm getting at is we live in a in a world of internet trolls. And now with the masks, this is the thing that I've noticed. Oh, yeah,
0: you get people in public who and, act but, like that, too.
1: Yeah, now people people lived with that internet anonymity. And before that, we had people who were shooting each other. I lived in San Diego when this was going on. People were shooting each other on a highway because they lived in a in a highway anonymity. They're sitting they're inside your car. Right. You could take a shot at somebody to keep driving. Nobody knew. Um, and now i've noticed more and more people have, have you watched any of the things that are going on i don't care what it is some big event everybody's got their cell phones out yeah and, and, and i've talked about this before people are living through these cameras i'm pointing uh, at my camera yep. now and and it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna live through this lens and, and that's your life and you can see it at, at, at I don't care if it's a protest or a or a car accident. Right. Um, people have got their phones out and they're just recording, recording, recording. Because they're hoping for that 15 minutes of their little fame. And the other side of it is um that you can troll because who cares? That nobody people are so used to not caring about the troll that now it's moved into real life. We we always said it was. It was innocuous. And I used to say, no, it's not innocuous because it's going to move into yeah, real life. And are, people
0: are carrying it around and they, they, they're taking the keyboard thing, keyboard warrior thing to being a real warrior. Because and, now it's a problem. Is what and
1: yeah. so if this is all you see of a person, right?
0: Jim, I know it's you.
1: Oh, shoot. They didn't do a very good job of hiding my identity. But anyway, out of seriousness, yeah. yeah, this is this is how we could tell. You know, and if, it's if all that now. you saw yeah if this is all you're seeing of a person, then they can be mean to each other and they can be brutal, and they can take that that internet trolling and bring it into real life, which is scary to me. you notice i I bring my thing down here so you can see my face yeah i and I try to come important. out from
0: behind it, you know,
1: yeah, I feel it's important that you see my real facial features and and my real uh, reactions, even when I'm snoring that's why I do this. Um, it's because I, I snore people. It's not, it has nothing to do with David or boredom. It's just, it's just a reaction I have, um, to sitting for long periods of time. I'm used to getting up all the time. Um, but anyway, my point is that, that it's, I think that once we turn real life into the ability to troll people and we turn that, um, uh, that switch in people, are they going to be able to turn it off when the mask comes off? and that's that's what's scary it's, right? it's
0: dangerous to performers though and in, in, in art and that's i think it's an interesting thing to to bring up because um part of this profession hobby that we take part in is is mutual trust between you and the audience that the audience wants you to do better but as people become more and more open with sharing the ridiculous feelings and and trying to make trying to make every event about them rather than about right. what's going on at the event um, it certainly is going to damage something there. And I think that a good performer can probably deflect that or to or somehow gather that sensibility and um rechannel it. But I don't think everybody can do that. And so for any of the little I, guys, you're going to have trouble. Like you're going to have to figure that part of the game out. Um, I, any-
1: I can foresee – what I can foresee is if things continue down the road that we're going – and I know nobody cares what I think, so it's okay if you stop listening now, folks. If we go down this road, I can foresee some gunfights. I I can foresee real, real damage to people. Um, if if people were afraid of internet bullying five years ago, yeah, what is what is what is it you're going to do now? It's terrifying. When somebody- yeah when somebody pulls out a gun or it start people are doing it already they're beating each other up're they're, mm-hmm. they're, I mean it started with like stupid stuff coughing in each other's face, oh, I'm going to cough in your face you're afraid of my coronavirus I'm going to cough in your face and then they turned it into yelling at each other and of course somebody's always got a camera somebody's always got you it doesn't matter what you do you cannot fart. It's like living in a small town. I grew up in a small town Yeah, where
0: everybody could talk to each other, like behind your back. It's the same thing, except that um, everybody has a thing. If you want to find out and you want to think about a new way to think about this, Brad Paisley has a song for you and I forget the name of it, but it's one of his more recent songs, but it's about um, basically everything online is forever or whatever. Yeah. And I would highly recommend you go listen to that song and listen to the lyrics. And you'll think twice about some of your behavior <laughs> and what and you I post on the internet. Yeah, I think that's where um, we're going uh,
1: in this world uh, where um, we're, we're – how do I say it? We're we're going to go to a place that is
0: inescapable. Yeah, we're, we're, we're already – so – I, I think I know where you're headed, but we're already we're already there, and the problem is there's no way around it. Like you can't you can't fix this situation. We're stuck in it, and it's going to take time for people to learn the new cultural norm, and really just to go back to learning manners and how you behave with one another. And it's going to take a generation of real hard parenting, in order or, or several generations of real hard parenting to shift us back in a direction where anonymity is no longer a protection. Um, there is no such thing as anani- anonymity, first off. This whole thing that you're wearing a mask and nobody can tell you are is not anonymity. It's just giving you a license to believe it is. And so now you get you think you can be- uh, behave like a moron just like you do on the internet. Um, I, think, I think his Know Your Troll series is great. If you haven't watched Robert Jackson's Know Your Troll videos, go check him out. Because he does, like, he calls BS. When somebody says something that's like, really or they don't they obviously don't know what they're talking about i heard somebody say he had a comment in one of his videos that i'm like that's not even true like it was like a fact like brian may was inspired by rory gallagher to play ac 30s i kind of looked at that and i went i'm not even sure if they're aware of one another at that time yeah you know like how i I, that was in the last the last troll video and i saw that i went huh <laughs> like what um i don't even know like i it, but but that's the point you know so um check out his videos uh yep. and uh jim you're gonna be away for a couple days right so i'll be handing all the facebook stuff yeah won't say any more than that uh and uh if you haven't you're watching us on youtube you should like and subscribe um i hate saying that and I forget to do it at the beginning of the episode. So I'll do it at the end. Um, and hopefully. get our hope, t-shirts. And- keep. Yeah, hopefully that's another thing I want to get done this week. And hopefully stay tuned to the um, YouTube group because I'm going to be dropping some new videos for like Gear Devil type stuff for the next week or two. So I have been David. I'm Jim. And tonight we have been Practical Guitarists.
1: Yes, we have.